Health Vista podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. And today we're going to be um, responding to a request we had come through from one of our listeners. Yeah, so Joanna, if you're listening, we're recording a um, podcast that you requested, which is Stress in the Health Visitor Workplace. It's a really interesting topic, we thought. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that we all experience <laughs> constantly, almost yes. to varying degrees, and uh, obviously many different causes. So uh, Joanna didn't give specifics of um, what was causing the stress or anything, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover yeah sort of something useful towards that yeah well I think with the kind of changes to various health visiting services up and down the country that's causing a lot of stress isn't it you know there's lots of restructuring going on there's a lot of job insecurity um yeah people feeling that they're having to do more and more in terms of caseloads and more and more in terms of the actual vulnerability of the clients with less and less resources and less and less time Definitely. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think I'm in, I feel almost like my area is a bit unique in that mm. we actually are wanting to recruit at the moment. Mm. We're having um, just some issues with, with recruiting in the first place. Mm. Um, I think we're, we're on the, we're, we're sort of literally just outside of the inner London waiting Mm. which makes us a bit less appealing than uh, inner London boroughs. So it can be quite tricky sometimes um, attracting people to to a role where they know just over the other side of a border they can get a bit more money money for it, although those places aren't advertising. So uh, it's a tricky one to get that balance right. But it does mean we're, we're running with a fairly high vacancy rate at the moment. Yeah. Which um is as stress you know it can be as stressful as uh trying as if you're in a service is shrinking i suppose yeah definitely you, you, ultimately their work is still there isn't it that needs doing by somebody yeah so i think that causes that puts a lot of pressure on people and ultimately health visitors care about their families don't they and they want them to yeah. receive the best service and they want to be able to do the best they can so i think that yeah. puts a lot of stress on people definitely um i, I think was, I was sorry I was surprised when I started because I've recently moved um, jobs as you know like moved to a new area and I found um, in my actually in the process of looking for roles that I was pleasantly surprised by how many roles were actually out there outside of London you know I was expecting to have more of a challenge Um, yeah especially in you know not in in London areas, you know, in in other parts of the country, yeah. people talk about there yeah, being less roles. We, yeah, well, we're now uh, recording a lot of these via uh, FaceTime, aren't we? Yeah, we are because we're just both <laughs> from each other to meet up in person. Yeah, but it is quite interesting how I think, yeah, for you, the area you were moving to, there are roles advertised. Mm. But yeah, it is a real. It's almost like a, a bit of a postcode lottery, isn't it, or a mm. kind of borough mm. lot or. Um, a local authority lottery mm. um whereby which ones have looked at increasing which are decreasing yeah. um and it's that tricky thing as well where yeah the health visitor roles are available but what kind of support is available for families yeah there is as well yeah um so i think if we're thinking about stress in the health visitor workplace obviously the first thing we've both started talking about is 
having less health visitors than you need for the number of families and having yeah. essentially high caseloads and a lot of um, stress and impact on you. I know the recommended caseload size um, for a full-time equivalent health visitor is 250 um, children uh, per yeah. full-time equivalent. And I don't think there's very many places around the country who can say that that is the numbers that they're looking at. No, um, no. I mean, I think... Um... I think many are living in with caseloads at least double that, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I think and between five, five hundred and eight hundred, five hundred and nine hundred is is quite yeah. quite common, and some places even pushing a thousand children and I per think, health visitor. Blimey! And I think within that as well, the um, the actual enhanced caseloads within that can mm. also be really problematic. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm quite lucky to live oh, to be working somewhere that it's like you know generally highish caseload numbers but mm. low level of need mm. but then within the same borough there are other teams who have caseloads maybe of similarish size yeah but much higher level of need yeah it's really tricky to get that balance right and ultimately um, what happens in that kind of environment is that your thresholds as an individual health visitor for what constitutes a universal plus service or what constitutes a universal partnership plus, but certainly the difference between universal and universal plus, I think your thresholds change slightly. So, you know, for example, yeah. someone with insecure housing in one area might be considered, that might be considered a vulnerability factor. And then, you know, because they're homeless, they may be placed on an enhanced health visiting service and that health visitor may have a bit more capacity to be able to visit them more frequently. But in yeah. another area, they would say, well, pretty much every family is homeless. I, yes. I can't, I can't yeah. do that because if I did, I would never have any universal families. No, um, exactly. So, and that, that imbalance in, in knowing in yourself what a good service should look like and knowing that actually these families are vulnerable and wanting to provide them a better service but yeah. actually not having the capacity to deliver it yeah there's a strong evidence base that that is what causes the the biggest amount of um stress and emotional um impact yeah. on on a health visitor yeah because um, i'm already thinking you did write about um stress in the workplace mm. your um journal of health listing articles as well yeah we sort maybe... of yeah I kind of touched on I wrote um when I was doing the column as a newly qualified health visitor last year um I think last September it was the September column um I wrote one entitled self-care is not selfish um and I was talking about compassionate resilience um, which is a concept which is kind of banded around by um, various big organisations. You know, the Institute of Health Visiting have got a lot of resources on compassionate resilience. Um, the Journal of Health Visiting have written about it before in the past. Um, and there's some really good resources out there for individual health visitors that are about essentially attempting to hold on to your compassion despite... Yeah having an extremely difficult environment and I think it's really difficult to kind of talk about that stuff because in some ways really the responsibility is on the organization and you know yeah. we have to be careful mm -hmm. not to blame the individual health visitor for not being resilient enough yeah do you see what I mean? Um, really, yeah. you know, if we're looking no, from an ecological approach in the same way that we would with families, we have to talk about the organisation and culture that the health visitor works yeah. in. 
and that organisation and culture has to support self-care. You have to have work environments that are conducive to it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's not good for anyone because essentially what you're talking about with a stressed health visitor is not only, you know, from an health from as a health visitor yourself, from your own perspective, your the impact on your mental health um and your emotional state and your family life and all the rest of it but from an yeah. employee perspective you know you're talking about sickness you're talking about um lack of compassion and inability to be able to deliver the service to the level that needs to be done um yeah and that's something nobody really wants you burn out and all of those things um yeah nobody wants from an organization perspective as well as from an individual no so really, the organisation needs to step up, really, and take a bit of yeah. responsibility for that. No, definitely. Mm. And it's really tricky, and I understand, you know, it's like one of those things where it you don't have to scratch the surface very far when you're talking to your your team leaders mm. and your, your matrons or managers to see the further stress that they're under. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's that, it's that thing where, uh, as difficult as, as it is as a health visitor at the moment, um, I think health visiting management yes. really uh, under so much. Well, they're in a sandwich, aren't they? Because yeah. they get the stress from the, the the sort of guys on the on the shop floor, as it were. Mm. Plus, they have further stress being answerable to the the wider managers and having to justify um, what's happened and why and things. I think yeah. often as a as um, a sort of when you're uh, uh, sort of on the shop floor as it were doing the clinics and the visits and you know you're saying to your manager oh well yeah I had to I I, I couldn't get to this family within that six to eight week yeah. window or I had to do that new birth visit at nine days because yeah. we weren't right here they're then having to actually they're then answerable to the senior management who are then saying well why was this done and why was that done yeah and almost sometimes having to take a piece by piece sort of case by case thing of like well Definitely. why wasn't this done on time why wasn't that done on time because from the the views of the managers above them it's impacting on kpis yeah. it's you know it's you know could be um threatening their their future being able to to yeah have that service commissioned and things mm. um so yeah so everyone's and and what's what can happen is that that stress, that management stress, is then inherited or passed down, if you like, to the professionals on the ground who then are, are forced to kind of do their day-to-day -day job but holding yeah. this stress and pressure of, oh, my God, I didn't do that visit. You know, that new birth was done on fifteen day 15 instead of day 14, and that means we won't get the KPI. And yeah. it can be difficult as a health visitor. It's easy to inherit that stress. Um, and I think what you... you kind of need to challenge yourself to do is to say well why is it important for that family you know what care was delivered for that family and why does that child care about what it is we're trying to achieve and, and yeah. put the child back at the center of what you were trying to what you're trying to do and and really by doing that you're encouraging the management and the other professionals around you to do that as well, which ultimately is going to lead to better policies and better management strategies and better KPIs. You know, we want our KPIs yeah. to be child-centred. We want them to be measuring the things that are important rather than yeah. just sheer numbers that don't really matter to anyone because what you're going to lead, end up with there is KPIs that um, aren't meaningful and just yeah. put more pressure on the staff for no real good reason. I think, I think it's interesting 
one of the things that I found um, far easier in, I think, managing my own personal stress, mm. having come into health visiting compared to other fields of nursing I've been involved in, mm. I think um, part of it has been also being active on social media mm. and being a part of the health visiting groups on Facebook yeah. and also on, on Twitter. And because I think what's, what's sometimes forgotten, those who... I think those who are on Facebook, on Twitter, are really engaged and often really, really active. Yeah. I think what those who aren't, haven't dipped their toes in don't realise is that they don't have to be really active and really on the ball. They can actually just—it's a bit like a river. You can dip your toes in. Yeah. And let the water run over you a bit and see what you find and things. Yeah. And I think there's a few people who. I uh, I follow on on Twitter and things who I find often have really really useful stuff. So as we were chatting and something you said triggered, like I, I thought, oh yeah, I'm sure I've seen some before. And there's um, someone called Helen Bevan mm. who is involved in the um, School of Healthcare Radicals, mm. and um, she often posts um, really interesting infograms. Now I absolutely love an infogram. Yeah, I mean, me too. <laughs> it, it, it's like one of those hilarious things where we podcast and yet what's my favorite source of information an infogram yeah um, <laughs> something like intensely visual <laughs> yeah she's got a fantastic tweet which actually was, it was from last august but i just found it quite quickly on google mm. it's um how to maintain your resilience during times of stress oh that sounds useful we'll link to that then in the blurb we'll of the to, podcast and it's, it's kind of in fact let me do actually because i can show you at the same time and we can tell everyone else about it mm. so um it's this really cool thing i've got you sideways on there there we go yeah but you can see <laughs> it kind of um it's like six different things and um they they break them down but roughly they say you know focusing on the foundation of health and this is of self-care this is your own health you know, yeah getting yeah quality sleep doing regular exercise yeah eating healthily staying hydrated yeah you know, managing your time i mean I don't know about you, I feel so much better, even if I've got an absolutely packed, if, I, if anything, yeah. I've got a really packed diary, yeah. because I think, right, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be going, yeah. and I know, yeah, if I've got a day full of visits, then I think, great, good, I know, I, that to me feels like a very productive, productive day. Productive time, yeah. And I'm beginning to appreciate more having, like, half a day in the office, yeah. or day in the office which mm. feels like real luxury yeah just get on top of other things yeah but at the same time understanding that I know that I need to I need to be on top of my diary make sure that I've got everything in my diary yeah that I need to have in and that um, managing your time that's also kind of about your caseload management isn't it so yeah you're prioritizing things so that you're making sure that you're doing the things that are most urgent which yeah. I think all health visitors are pretty good at doing really I mean we're not wanting to teach people how to suck eggs most nurses have got their time management pretty much spot on <laughs> well you think but you know what it's that thing isn't it the same as I remember being on the water in A&E and there would be the same people who you would almost be having to push them out the door like three quarters of an hour after the shift finished yeah because they weren't quite up to speed yeah but then I'm always that person that's late in the office, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I think I found that, actually, when I was writing the um, the column for the Journal of Health Visiting, I was writing about how we forget to look after ourselves and almost how that seems like such an obvious thing to say, but we almost take pride in it. 
I think. Yeah. And I know that I certainly did, you know, I'm, I'm le- there late. I feel like I'm working hard. I feel like I'm yeah. a good health visitor, you know, care about my families and I'm putting them first. And ultimately, that's what it's about. But in actual fact, you can't keep that up. You know, emotionally, you can't keep that no. up. So that's not a good health visitor. That's a health yeah. visitor that's very no. good, but for a very short period of time and can't yeah. stay a good health visitor. So you know in order to stay a good health visitor you have to really put yourself first in some ways and that's that stuff about self-care and health and I can see on the on the infographic it's got having clear boundaries taking time out fun and relaxation those things I think the clear boundaries is something which I've really worked on as well because I think especially Mm. being a part-time worker you know I do three days a week um my trust um is that thing of not seeing Mondays and Fridays as days when I should check my emails or I should look, you know, turn my phone on and check for messages. Um, and it's like, you know, someone the other week emailed me something and uh, I saw them on the Tuesday morning and mm. they said, oh, yeah, I emailed that to you. I, and I, I said, oh, yeah, I've only seen it this morning because I made a really clear rule with myself this week that I wasn't going to check emails or messages on monday because that's my day where that's the only day a week i have where it's just me and my son you know and it's like the final six months before he goes to school full time yeah so it was yeah and and it was that thing of actually i said that to them and they kind of went yeah no problem yeah they they understood that actually yeah it's that thing of actually saying i'm not checking things on my day off yeah and it's that thing i think something suddenly clicks going oh yeah no that's really unreasonable for yeah. me to expect you to do that yeah. on your day off <laughs> yeah. things yeah and it's interesting because it's like that funny thing where i've kind of um so i've started doing um weight watchers mm. uh i started what, about six weeks ago mm. and i've lost a stone Yay! wow but it was that funny i had this that's barrier in my head about it saying oh no I've not got time to plan meals ahead and I've not got time to think about making the healthy choices yeah and yet actually here I am six weeks down the line you've done it and I am doing it yeah and I am now going out I found an exercise class um just around the corner from where I live and it runs twice a week so actually even if something's going on and I can't make it the regular day that I go there's another day in the week that I can try and make sure I go yeah my husband's my husband's like acknowledging that's important. He's ensuring that he's back in time so that I can go to it. Um, And it's brilliant. I get to wear boxing gloves and punch (laughs) the big thing. The drum and bass music, which I didn't even think I liked. I love it. I love a bit of drum and bass to do boxing to. (laughs) I also love that on our Stress in the Health Visitor Workplace episode, we're recommending get your boxing gloves and... uh, punch yeah. things to drum and bass music Definitely. so there you go guys if you take nothing else away from today's yeah. episode <laughs> it's it, yeah i i can heartily recommend it if you're in if you're in south london and would like to know more <laughs> let me know and i'll point you in the right direction <laughs> i think um yeah these are all really important things aren't they and there's similar to the resource that you're talking about that we'll link to there's also um a really good um institute of health visiting resource which is Uh, on compassionate resilience 
um yeah. and it's got it's called good pra- it's one of the good practice points you know they have those good practice point sheets yeah um and it's it's on compassionate resilience and it's got self-compassion right at the center so all those stuff we were just talking about you know identifying your values and strengths gave, keeping a work life balance and it, it mentions things like mindfulness and stuff like that i don't think if you've and i think talking to someone you trust yes and definitely so I think especially I if it's something where well. you're identifying that things are stressing you in the workplace mm. and discuss it among yourselves and i think as i said you know it, earlier it's that thing of acknowledging that actually a lot of our managers are, are probably in even more stressful situations than ourselves but that actually that doesn't mean that we shouldn't let them know when we mm. are really stressed and mm. things um and especially if there's anything that you you can foresee that actually if this that and that the other happened things might be a bit less stressful mm. now unless they're totally unreasonable like mm. saying we will do new birth visits at some point in the first month you know or yeah kind of anything that goes against what the the actual um sort of what the healthy child program lays out for us to do but if there's any you know little things that can be worked on to help improve your workplace then you know do let them know and things and do sort of put it out there and you know maybe even maybe suggest that you form a working party or something on how to how to make something work better for everyone yeah how to save time and how to yeah try and reduce stress um i think for me the most valuable and most important thing that we haven't really even talked about yet um but the thing that really stands out in my mind is the thing that makes the difference. That means I can keep coming in to work uh, even when I'm absolutely at my most stressed. That is my relationships with my team members. Yeah. And I think it's really hard when you're stressed, when you're at your absolute brink of what you can cope with. It's really difficult to see somebody else in that state and offer to make them a cup of tea or sit yeah. down with them and make time or, you know, reach your hand out and just say, are you okay? I'm worried about you. You seem really stressed. You know, can I help? You yeah. Know, but actually, even if it doesn't take a huge amount of time or it doesn't, you know, mean, I'm not suggesting you take over other people's workload when you've already got loads on yourself, but just actually recognising that somebody's stressed and feeling overwhelmed with those little gestures like making them a cup of tea or oh you've had a case conference do you want to have a chat about it or oh how did your visit go you know I know you were a bit yeah. worried about that one was that a tough visit how was it did you want to talk about it you know that yeah. stuff that's the stuff really that, that keeps you healthy keeps you emotionally well yeah um so if there's one thing you can really try to do, it's to create that kind of ethos in your workplace. And I think every single health visitor has the capability to be able to create that. You know, we all can do that. We can do that like now, tomorrow. And that's that really yeah. makes a difference. And I think sometimes it's that it's that weird feeling, isn't it, of having that almost not wanting to ask because you worry about what will open up. I know. Yeah. It's so so, so beneficial. And it's often it, I, I often find it's that thing where it's the sort of thing where I could tie myself in knots thinking about doing mm. and then would actually do and think, oh, that wasn't anywhere near as scary as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, and it is that, yeah, and it is that thing where, I mean, yeah, I mean, perhaps I think there's people I've worked with who've been quite open about 
having such problems with stress that they've ended up need you know yeah, needing leave before and i think it is that thing where the general culture these days is to be far more open about mental health problems yeah which is and so important actually you know it's like you know mental health problems are as important and are as valid as any physical health yeah, problem absolutely. and that actually you know, we should be in um a culture where we're more open to being yeah. considerate of that yeah you know we, I, I often think that thing of yeah you you kind of if you heard a parent saying it you would be very supportive of them so yeah. you should be of anyone else of saying your colleagues, that, you know, yeah, a, a or yourself. colleague saying it yeah I think um, as well it's important to recognize that the job that we do is emotionally difficult and it does take yeah. an emotional toll on you and it does it yeah. takes an emotional toll on everyone it doesn't make you a weak person for having struggled with that visit or for actually feeling no. a little bit overwhelmed when you come out of that case conference um, yeah. that makes yeah. you a human being you know that that's yeah. that's the normal healthy emotional response to what yeah. you're faced with and when you're actively listening to someone really actively listening and empathizing with them which is what we do day in day out every single yeah. visit you can't expect to keep going in and no. containing emotions for other families and and helping and and empathizing and listening constantly yeah. giving 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 without looking after yourself as well because no. of course that's an emotional labor you know um and that's going to take its toll on you eventually yeah. and it's not abnormal to need to have counseling to process yeah. some of the stuff that we see every day you know that's yeah. that's healthy and normal and it um, sometimes doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing it can yeah, just absolutely. be if we're facing something that we haven't done before mm. that we're not entirely sure how to how to tackle mm. you know and it's okay to be a bit like you know to put your hands up and say to someone actually you know, i really could do with some advice on this mm. And, you know, and I think it is that thing for us as well. We have to remember that it is, it's not even two years that we've been qualified. There's no way yeah. we've seen <laughs> anything and everything yet. No, definitely not. That actually, it shouldn't be expected of us. We should be in a position still where we are kind of, you know, still having to say to people, oh, hang on, how do you do this? Or how does this work? Because I know that I've got colleagues coming to me and asking me queries who've been yeah, far longer than myself who they've come across something for the first time and are needing yeah even if it's not the first time you've come across it sometimes you know I think part of creating a culture where we look after each other in within our team and within our workplace is creating a culture where we all ask each other questions yeah and it, it doesn't feel in any way that you're less of a good health visitor for not knowing the answer no. to that you know actually it makes you a yeah. good health visitor by asking the question yeah. because you're accepting the limits of what you know and what you don't know and you're trying Indeed. to meet those needs you know to Indeed. learn i mean we um we do it where uh, i've i've yeah you know, i did um another antenatal group this week and i would say to the parents at the beginning i promise there's no such thing as a daft question if you if yeah, you're that thinking counts for us as well, doesn't it? Yeah, if you're thinking about asking something and you're worried it might be a daft question, don't, because the chances are when you say it, at least half the room will have thought it, and I've probably yeah. asked it myself as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, whilst it's the organisation's 
ultimately it's the organization's responsibility to try and minimize stress in the workplace but i think there's things that as an individual health visitor you can do to protect yourself but also to look after your colleagues and that stuff is makes such a big difference i think it makes the difference between being able to keep coming in and not yeah genuinely yeah and i think as well it's that thing of even if it doesn't feel like that sort of a culture you can be the the leader you can yeah, be the you can make it that. change yeah. and make it happen yeah. because actually even if people do feel resistant at first to you looking out for them and sort of checking in with them it's amazing how it sort of yeah you, it's like it's like if you smile at someone it, it then becomes a bit infectious yeah they smile back mm. and that smile goes around I think just looking out for each other and being that one who starts the ball rolling mm. can also um, effectively spread that sort of resilience and concern mm. and I think also if you if anyone's got any other um, queries around self-care and around um, is it secondary trauma isn't it we yeah, talked secondary on, trauma, the, yeah. on our CPHVA um, podcast yeah um, we did talk about the work of Claire, who I can't remember the surname of right now. We'll link to her in the... But we'll uh, link to it. Um, and there's some um, work... About her, her work mm. um, on the seat and her talk presentation she did at the uh, conference. I think when we're talking about birth trauma as well, if people want to go back and listen to that episode, um, we also talked a little yeah. bit about um, practitioner trauma, secondary trauma for in practitioners yes. and midwives and health visitors. And actually, yeah. a lot of what we were saying early on, you know, where I was talking about um, how the evidence base is, is that it's a control issue. You know, it's that you don't actually have enough control over your own capacity yeah. to be able to deliver the service that you want to deliver. Um, yes. And that's what's so damaging. That is exactly, you know, that's effectively trauma is what we're talking about. It's, yeah. it's trauma caused by not having the ability to be able to do things in the way you want to do them um and that is in itself um secondary trauma yeah so there is some really interesting work out there on that um that health visitors might be interested to look up um there's so much you know we could talk for ages on this can't we but hopefully that's a brief summary as well yeah i think it's interesting as well how we we realize these things do link up as well and I think as well, yeah. it really helps us making those links with hopefully our listeners making those links as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think this is something which is always very useful um, when it comes to doing reflections as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, um, especially if there's been a particular incident or something as well, um, to to consider, you know, well, what did you do? How did you manage it? What could mm. you do differently mm. and things? Um, and, and also being yeah. kind to yourself in that reflection. So instead of being too critical on what you did and didn't do wrong, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, thinking about what would a compassionate friend say to me if I was to talk to them about this, you know, try to be kind to yourself when you're because everyone makes mistakes and we all look back on things with the benefit of hindsight and think, well, I should have done that. Yeah. But, you know, you can't know everything in advance, can you? No, Um, exactly. So be kind to yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's where it kind of has to start as well. I don't think, unless you take, although <clears throat> we, you know, although obviously there are wider, bigger things to look at, you have to start with yourself. You have to mm. be in a good place yourself mm. to then be able to move forward and make change. Mm. Because 
you can always guarantee you know if you think about the ripples in the pond think about the Brockenbrenner mm. it begins in the middle with you yeah. yes other things might impact upon you but if you've actually if you've built a sturdy wall around yourself if you're feeling well supported as much as you can yourself your resilience will be high you'll be able to then cope with the challenges that are thrown at you yeah yeah and then and hopefully also by doing that creating a culture within management which will trickle out and influence those wider factors as well um so hopefully i mean it's a whistle stop tour that but (laughs) really there's loads of reading and links that we'll put in the blurb so if you want to find out more about it then um there's quite a lot of practical tools out there that are quite helpful yeah and especially if there's and obviously you know we wouldn't want to um to give away anyone's identity or where they're working or things but if there are any particular um scenarios Mm -hmm. or any any particular angles within this because i know we we have spoken very generally yeah um that would be really useful if you wanted to share with us yeah that we could then use for further podcasts and things yeah um, and to really ensure ensure that we're 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 covering the areas that that you are you want us to cover yeah definitely um as ever thank you very much for listening yeah and remember that you can get in touch with us on um twitter at I am a HV. We have our Facebook page, I am a health visitor, and we also have our uh, email, uh, which is I am a health visitor at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. Yeah, and also if you're on iTunes, remember you can subscribe to us and please do rate us and leave a comment. It's so nice to see any feedback. Yeah, um, lovely. Really welcome it. And remember to recommend to your friends if they're not Apple users that they can find us on SoundCloud or any other um, podcasting app. app. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. See you again soon.